Welcome to Parenting in the Trenches. I'm Karen Peters, a registered clinical counselor, and I'm a mom. We're getting real about all things family from a mental health perspective. So let's get to it. Ashton Black is with us for the next four episodes. Um, She's going to be talking with us about our sexual health and development. Uh, She's a sexual health educator who's dedicated to helping people of all ages learn about their reproductive health, their uh, really the importance of consent and all the nuances that come with that, and the many facets of relationships. She values fostering curiosity and inclusion. And she's it's really important for her um, that we talk about how to reduce shame in this conversation. Ashton has a particular interest in teaching to and learning with parents and families, especially those with diverse cultural backgrounds and abilities. So uh, Ashton and I get along really well because of all of this. And so I have asked if she would pour out her wisdom on this hot topic uh, in the next four episodes to help us better understand how to have these conversations with our kids. So welcome, Ashton. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good today. I don't know. Don't ask me that question. I'm not ready. Are Are you you ready? ready? No. Are you ready to talk about sex? (laughs) I am not. (laughs) No one ever is. Which is is exactly why we're doing this, because parents don't ever feel really ready to talk about it, because it's ongoing, and it pops up, and it feels very unpredictable sometimes, and our kids, each of our kids are different, and what we were raised with was different. So I just feel like there's no one template for everybody, but I feel like that, that is why it feels so scary. And that is also why we need to just keep talking about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Our, all of our experiences are so unique and it is, it's undoubtedly at some point our, our children will come to us usually at the, the most, you know, awkward moment or the most impromptu time to have this conversation you're caught so off guard and just like what do we yeah what do we do what do we do and how do we how do we say it yeah is often what I hear from is often what I hear from families yeah how do I have this conversation how do I do it yeah okay so that's that's this is episode one of the how we're going to cover the how today or try to um and see where that goes. And when mm-hmm. we were planning for this and you were talking through, I was like, Oh, like a sponge soaking in like, Ooh, <laughs> these are all the hows that everybody's so hungry for. So I want to put it in all caps. Like how is the H O W big letters? Because, uh, it's so layered. Oh yeah. It's oh, so yeah. layered. So take us through just when I ask you that question, how do you talk to your kids about sex? What's the, like, where do you go in your head as a sexual health educator? Where do you even begin? Yeah. It, it makes me think of the joke of, I I hear this from parents all the time where they're like, do I talk about it in the car? Do I talk about it in the car or in a place where we're both looking forward and straight ahead and the doors are locked and we'll just make it happen and then it's going to be okay. And there, there's some humor to it, of course, because sometimes that's a great place to have that conversation, but really I think it's just speaking to the space. So the first thing I always want to remind families when they're having these kinds of conversations and because they they can feel tricky, um, 
making sure that the space is really safe will really set the tone. And like mm-hmm. you said, it's ongoing. So just thinking about where we are having these conversations so that if they do need to go a little bit more into detail, you're going to be able to do that. Um, so perhaps like a grocery store, when they ask you that impromptu question is not going to be the time to try and tackle it. So, um, yeah. the other thing I hear a lot is just what, like, what, what do I tell them? So yeah. there's the, there is the safe space, but there's the what, um, and I think why this becomes so tricky, Karen, is because all of our own experiences come back to us. And sometimes those were positive. Sometimes they may not have been. Um, perhaps we didn't have comprehensive sexual health education in school. Perhaps we lived in a household where these conversations weren't common and it just wasn't yep. something that it was talked about. And so from our own experiences, I think we can reflect and say, what went well? What, what did I like? What made me feel good and safe? Um, and what would I like for my child? What experiences or how can I deliver this information in a way that will support our family values? So I never want families to get super hung up right away on what specifically it is. There are so many great resources out there. It's more about setting the stage for having those open-ended conversations, being able to be curious with your child and yeah, like I said, making it a safe space so that they know that these conversations are ongoing and we can come back to them and they do evolve and our information and our understanding of this is going to grow just as they do. Yeah. Yeah. Something I also think about is the minimal, the minimal education many of us Mm -hmm. in my generation at least received. It was like the bare minimum, the mechanics, the book slipped under the pillow, whatever the the side conversation that I'm sure you'll learn about it in grade four in school. So I don't have to talk about it at home and I'll wait until you're really lost and confused and come to me out of desperation for asking questions. Then I'll kind of give you like the little bit I know. And if that's who we are as parents in a world where I think just it's information is so much more readily available to kids, Mm -hmm. they access it and Mm -hmm. not necessarily in the places we want them to access it, maybe not reliable information, not, but to them they're if they're seeking, they have a different place to look for it than we did. Um, And it's at their fingertips. So I think about that, juxtaposition of us parents with very little knowledge or feeling like we know very little, even if we've been in sexually active relationships for a long time, that is a very personal experience as compared to like, I can tell you the world of sexual health. I, I cannot like, because it wasn't given to me and it felt unnecessary to really learn all of that. So now I see my kids as like, what do you already know? Where did you find that? <laughs> like, It's a platform that feels very different. This is not a blank slate they often come with. But what you did, Karen, there, that is exactly it. What do you already know? So sometimes these questions come, of course, we want to give kids developmentally appropriate information. Yeah. So it is it is going to vary depending on how old they are for sure and, and what, what we end up introducing them to. But the curiosity is important because what do you already know and where's this question coming from? There's always this, Mm. this lovely, it's so cute. It makes me laugh every time where, you know, like little Avery comes to you and says like, where am I from? And you think, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to talk 
about conception or reproduction or pregnancy or like, what do I do? You're, you're there and you're in the moment, but without asking some, some clarifying questions or trying to understand what is the intention behind that? Where's my curiosity? Like, why, why Avery, would you like to know that you may go down that line of trying to explain reproduction and where babies are from just to find out that he says, you know, someone in class is from Saskatchewan. And I was, I was curious about that. And you're like, whoa, whoops, (laughs) you know, and that on the most innocent, on the most innocent of questions, of course, but if you, if you were to take a, like a, an example, that's maybe a little bit more loaded, um, you know, around gender identity or, um, your sexuality preferences or something that they see on TV or masturbation or something like that, you can see really quickly that you, you don't, you don't want to have to go down that rabbit hole for yourself. You want to get really clear on what it is that they're trying to ask you. Uh, so if you don't know, you can say, let's learn that together. Uh, but that would be a huge tip that I tell people. Ask them, be curious. What do you already know? What do you already okay. know about that? Yeah. 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 And and I then what what readiness, if we're we're entering that space with our kids, how ready do we feel to hear their answer? Yes. Yes. Right? Yeah. I'm feeling myself, st- I'm stealing yeah. myself already. Like, <laughs> like get ready. <laughs> because yes. I haven't asked yet. If I ask, what, am, what are they going to say? What am I going to yep. have to, and how am I going to be re- reacting to that? Yeah. And, and such a great point, Karen, because it, it's, it's asking ourselves, why are we reacting this way? You know, why, what, what is it that is making me nervous about what I might potentially hear? Um, And really reflecting on, am I modeling those messages? And and do I think that I'm finding those small opportunities um, to talk about our family values so that when I do ask these questions, I know they have, you know, a a basis from, I don't want to use the word expectation, but to have an idea of, um, Yeah, to like the purpose or the why or the what it's well, founded to, on. Yeah, to, it's the yeah. expectations perhaps of you know knowing what their parents are going to be comfortable with. So yeah. you know when we want to ask um, you know sensitive conversations or sorry sensitive questions or topics, um, they do need to know that it is going to be okay to answer you honestly. Yeah, um, as difficult as it might be for us to to hear it, um, by being able to hear that is how we are going to be able to have conversation about, about our, our family's values and, and where we, where we get that information, how we feel about that information. Um, there is a really interesting, um, it's not like a statistic. It's a really interesting saying that we, we do tell a lot of parents is parents still are the most trusted resource for sexual health information from their child. Of course, in their formative years and while they're young and as they're growing and they're curious, but even as they enter those like early teen years and the times where they want to start leaning into their friends and they want to see what other people know and and to be accepted and they're really learning and, and going through that developmental stage of identity, there is still so much to be said that they would like to be able to ask that from a trusted mm caring adult. Um, yeah. So we still have that opportunity hmm. 
to be to be there to be that person uh, and to answer those questions honestly, but only if we are answering them honestly. Yeah, and if we've set the stage for the comfort, right? Mm-hmm. That yeah. we are the safe place. So the desire is one thing for a teen to go. I wish I had a parent I could X Y Z with, but that is such a different narrative than I have a parent that I've. It's kind of like. T- tried, tested and true. Like I've, I've tested the water on this with other softer things, right? Yes. And have, they've shown me their re- response does not have to be perfect. Um, and without the shock, maybe even, but just that you have the ability to keep going mm-hmm. and go, okay, I had a reaction there because, or right. That you don't go Ugh, and then that's it. Right. Yes. Because that then sends the message. This yes. isn't safe. But yeah. if I go, oh, and I go, okay, hang on. I know I'm reacting and let's keep talking about it, right? Then, then that shows, okay, we can walk it through. It will be yeah. safe. Yeah. And and affirming, you know, that's a really great question. You know, um, okay, yeah. I, I think I'm, I think I'm going to need to think about that or that's a really great question. You know, what, what do you know or why are you asking? Um, can really also give you some some time mm-hmm. there as you are trying not to show your reaction. Um, But it's not going to be perfect. Um, I know a lot of families, when I talk to them, they say like, when do I start? When do I start talking to my kids? Mm -hmm. I mean, ideally as as early as possible, we want to be doing those things in the most, um, in those smaller, less um, tricky topics, you know? So we want to start talking and, and modeling that um, in those developmental ages, it will certainly look different when we're talking about consent or when we're talking about changes in the body um, or how to take care of our body. So, um, you know, when you're very, very young, some of the great things to be talking about are, you know, your actual body parts. You know, um, yeah. we have a nose and we have an elbow, but for some reason, vulva feels very scary. Um, we can say that we have eyes and, you know, an ear, but saying penis yeah. or anus is, you know, is very unnerving to us. Um, but starting small with some of those, um, some of those kinds of conversations really help also for us to build our own confidence, um, so that we can start talking about those trickier conversations. We, I think as parents feel pretty comfortable talking to our kids about friendship or we talk about, um, you know, appropriate touch, you know, if you're, not doing not friendly touching, you know, like slapping, hitting, you know, on the playground. We want, we don't want to do that. We have such confidence to be able to talk about, to be able to talk about that. And that's when we start modeling, you know, consent, or it's when we start modeling boundaries. And it does look very different in some of the younger ages than it does when they're in puberty, for sure. And that's where I would just love for families to know if it, if you have children now that are already in puberty, it's also not too late. So just know it's not too late. You've probably had conversations um, about other tricky topics. um, And that is what has opened the door and started to lay the groundwork. So there are still ways of saying, I know I haven't talked to you about this before, um, but this is something that I want you to know you can always come and talk to me about. Um, you know, if you're, if we don't need to talk about this right now, but I'm going to leave some books, I'm going to leave some resources. And I, I do want to check back in with you in a little bit. And I, I just thank you for bearing with me because this was kind of uncomfortable. I didn't, I didn't have someone, um, come and talk to me about this. So I'm going to model that. I'm going to model that vulnerability. I'm going to model that openness and 
making sure that it's open-ended and coming back to check back in again. And I think that there is something really lovely um, about doing it then too. Yeah. It's for when it's never too late to begin the conversation, but also doesn't have to happen on all one shot. And I think that was by and large, many of our experiences yeah. where there was a grade level where it was the, the one month thing in the curriculum and we had to quickly cover it all and know what questions to ask. And <laughs> that, I mean, it's such a weird setup. And then, and then at home, I think it got modeled that way too. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, when it had to come up, then we quick have the dialogue and then we just let you figure it out after yeah. that. Right. It, it wasn't this ongoing slow, like you talk about anything else. And so for us to try and reshape that, many of us are probably just learning this when our kids are eight, nine, 10, 11 and going, man, I get now why it's so important, but they're already that age. Like I'm not starting at like three, four, I may have called their body parts playful names instead of their actual anatomically correct names. And I may have, and how do I undo or redo or, right? And I think when we, when we phrase it as it can be gradual, it also gives us permission to revisit for us to Mm -hmm. say, you know what I just learned about. And you know, when I used to teach you those, I now understand that, right? Mm -hmm. And why that could be harmful or what I'd like to do differently now is, right? Absolutely. I think that one is we go to what we know when we're taken aback or we're shocked Mm -hmm. into answering something. We go with our instinct of what we've been handed, right? Mm -hmm. And if we're slower about it, there's so much more room to be planful, to hesitate, to be able to say, huh, that's a tough one, or I'm having a reaction, let's come back to this. I'm going to give it some thought. Or Mm -hmm. I actually don't know anything about that. I wasn't taught that. I'm going to go look it up. And Mm -hmm. here are some good sources to find that information. And do you want to do that? Or do I want to do that? You know, how do do we do it together? And that way of talking can start anytime. Anytime and on any topic, really. Anytime and on any topic. Yeah. So if this is, if this is tricky and you know, you're sitting, you're sitting and listening to this and you're like, I, I don't even know how I would even get the words out to start a sentence, even if I practiced, it's really, I think, thinking about how would you like to talk about this topic? And maybe we can find a different topic to start practicing because it really is just practice. You can always come back. And even if there's, there's rarely any harm in how you're going to say these things when you're approaching it from, um, like I I keep saying curious, but, but a curious and, uh, honest place, um, giving people permission to, to learn and grow about this as adults in the same way that their children are. Um, I know for, for myself, Karen, like I can reflect on a lot of my friends, um, who are now having kids and who are asking these questions and saying, you know, it, the birds and the bees talk the one time, if they even got it, Mm -hmm. they, they were like, I don't think I knew nearly as much as I even could have. Yes, you learned some stuff in school. I didn't learn about, really learn about reproduction or really learn about myself until I wanted, I wanted to conceive or I wanted to have a family. I didn't know that that was a whole, you know, topic or a whole venue that I didn't know about. And sexuality is so all encompassing. um, You know, when it does touch on, it touches on your identity. It does touch on your well-being. It does touch on reproduction or just your biological being. Um, there are so many facets, which is why why we're doing multiple part series in this because right. 
there's so yeah. much to to talk about that I would be amiss to just you know give, give a quick I list, know. say to speak, of yeah. if you do these things, it's it's going to work. What works really well is just coming alongside each other and yeah. exploring something in a safe, um, yeah, in a safe way. Safe way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also think it's a myth that it has to always be us. It's oh, great if a, yeah. we are part of it, right, of the team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I know like safe aunties and uncles that could have mm-hmm. those conversations or help have those conversations based on what our kids might be currently more comfortable with or just wanting to know that we are okay if they trust other people. Yes. To name yes. that community, right? Yes. It can and, be broader than us. Yeah. Yeah. And what what does an askable adult look like? So that's also yes. a great conversation to have to have with kids. You know, if at any point ever about your safety or something is yeah. not going well, um, there are lots of askable adults. And how do we identify those people in our lives? So even those are some of those great younger questions when you're sitting around the dinner table and you're chatting about like who who else could you talk to? Who and being curious again. Where where would you go and who would you talk to, um, yeah. so that you can have just an idea of if your child does feel like they have support and they have those askable adults. Askable mm-hmm. adults are are the kinds of people that care about your child, um, that are open and honest with you too about the conversations that you're having, and that probably will come to you and and lean in and learn together with you. You're not right. alone as a parent. Your friends are probably worried about talking to their children too. That's right. There may be, yeah, there may be times where you want to seek out, um, even someone like myself, we run um, from time to time at community centers, we will run, you know, parent classes on how to do this so that you can practice having these conversations with Mm -hmm. other parents who are also worried about how they're going to have these conversations. Um, You know, there are teachers, there are counselors, there are lots of people Um, you know, medical professionals. There are lots of people that we want our children to feel safe um, disclosing and having these conversations with. So maybe it's starting with, you know, what is it? What is an askable adult, and who do you yeah. trust? And what does that yeah. look like? Yeah. Oh, that's mm-hmm. amazing framework. The rehearsal piece is so important I, because so I think important. I rehearse in my head. Like I, <laughs> I, I do. There's another <laughs> version of rehearsal. Like I, I could say it out loud. I do find myself if I, if I have a, the parent instinct of like, okay, this is something we need to have a discussion about, or I want to talk with her about, or I spend a good day or two rehearsing in my head about how did, how would that sound? Would she be receptive to that? And how would I, what's my first statement going to be? And what's, because once I get in there, I'm okay. Right. But it's the, how do I not set this up to feel like we're having a talk or, but also know. that she's prepared to know. Yeah, because they'll know. That's they'll right. know. <laughs> they'll know. I know. As I sweat yeah. through my sweater and I. Yeah. And, totally. you know, Karen, we touch on this on so many. There's so many topics that we touch on this on, but there is so much diversity in children. Not all children are ready at the same time. So even if you are ready to have this conversation, mm-hmm. there is a there is a possibility that your child is like, um, no, thank you. This is not, I'm not at that point. And so making sure even for yourself that if, if you go into this and you have, you know, talked in the mirror, you have spoken out loud, or you have your notes on a cue card, or you're ready, you're, you know, you've done it. And then you get in there and they're like, uh, actually, I already know that. No, thanks. Um, That you yourself are going to know 
where you're going to go from there because it is right. really hard to you can't script these conversations. No, we talk about that too. Them. You can't you cannot script what will come out of them. You just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So not, the rehearsal not all kids is are... more about getting us comfortable mm-hmm. yeah. with just talking about it with them, mm-hmm. right? And then being willing to be confident enough to let them take the lead to yeah. where that flow is going to go. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So could you name for us some big hitter framework? boundaries? Like what are the things we should be thinking about Mm -hmm. in terms Mm -hmm. of the hows to have, like, what are the biggest things we can do? Yeah. The, the biggest, the biggest things I touched on this earlier, but is please teach correct names for body parts. Okay. Correct Um, names for body parts. Yeah. Practice saying vulva, practice saying penis, um, practice saying anus, practice using those. Um, you know, when, when kids are young, it keeps them safe it keeps them safe and it provides yeah. them with the language so that if something is going on for them, they will be able to use the correct words so that yep. you can determine what's happening. So at the very bare minimum, um, as cutesy as it is, um, it's really important to teach correct body parts, um, yeah. keeps them safe. Um, yeah. I think it's also really important that we prepare kids for, for puberty and for physical changes. So, it can be quite unnerving and and scary if puberty is already happening. And so yeah. I have heard this even through some of my own friends and through their experiences because I'm I'm blessed that they feel comfortable to talk to me about what that was like for them. Um, and it, if you don't know what a wet dream is, if you don't know to expect menstruation, if you don't know um, that your body is going to, even if it's it's body odor or if it's body hair. Um, those are some of the more, um, you know, benign kind of changes that happen that we think maybe are, are obvious that still are of so much value to have those conversations with our kids. If it's talking about a stick of deodorant, like your body's changing, um, you know, you might've noticed that some of your friends, um, are starting to wear deodorant or things are happening at gym class. And I just wanted to see how you feel about it. Um, do you have any questions, um, those kinds of conversations go a really long way in preparing children to know that change is coming, to get the yeah. information so they feel secure and so that it is not uh, a shameful experience, which mm. it, it really can be um, at times. And so that would be a big, a big takeaway. Um, and then I, we've talked about this too, but if you are, if you are caught off guard in these conversations is just, is really staying calm don't, don't freak out. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, it feels like things are on fire and you want to run away. I know. Um, <laughs> I know. Um, but even first responders don't run into a situation. So just take a deep breath and yeah. try to the best of your ability to stay, to stay calm and to, and to model, um, openness so that they know that the question they're asking, it's okay to ask. Yeah. Um, would be one of them. Uh, okay. That really helps to limit. It really helps to limit shame. Um, mm. Other big takeaways, I think, when you don't know, you don't know. We touched on this. Just, just be yeah. honest. You know, um, we don't know everything, and it is ever evolving. This is a very large topic. It has a lot of parts to it, 
as we learn and grow as not just as a community, but as a society, and we learn new ways to talk about these things, we're we're going to have to find new ways to talk to our, our children and to help them to navigate that um, so we can find resources together. Um, yeah. It builds a lot of trust when you're able to come together and have a learning opportunity. So um, just know that it's, it's really okay to not to know everything. Um, and we even touched on this one too, Karen, just to, to talk to other caring adults that your, your child may ask questions to, um, you're not alone, but you also do want to know how to support one another, how to learn from one another, uh, and to make sure that you're on the same page because you know, your family best, you know, your family's values best, and you know how you would like to pass this information, how it would like to land you know what kind of experiences you are hoping for your child to have. So if you have other caring adults, um, just not being shy or not being nervous to come alongside them um, Mm -hmm. and to to speak really clearly with them about what that's going to look like. Um, Yeah. As an extension to that last one, Mm -hmm. I also think about the traditional kind of expectation that if you have, if you have boys, dad's having the conversation Mm. if you have girls mom's doing it or Mm -hmm. it all falls on mom that's another yeah classic of that's your job to teach the kids about this so I you know when you extend that of like who are the askable adults I also just think close to home yeah should we not involve both parents a hundred percent and 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 I'll also like I'll take a moment to acknowledge that all families look different all yeah, families come great. in all shapes and sizes. So, yeah. you know, you might have you might have two parents, you might only have one parent, you might have a really mm-hmm. loving grandparent. But I do think that there is something to be said about touching a little bit on the gender um, aspect because we do we do need to teach our children about how sexual health um, impacts all bodies. We yeah. need to we need to know about yes. all bodies and what that's going to look like because it also helps us to be more inclusive of one another and to understand mm-hmm. the experiences that our peers may be going through as well, yeah. and that helps to reduce shame at a time where it's really really tricky for kids navigating how they fit. Um, so there is that portion. I I often think about my own experience and um, I had both parents very active in having these mm-hmm. conversations with me. And I remember thinking, well, this is awkward. Like, this is kind of awkward. And I could tell that he was thinking that it was kind of awkward. He's got he's got three daughters. He can't really skirt around this. He's going to have to do it at some point. Yeah. Um, but I do think back fondly of, of just, it was really helpful to know that I could go to both of my parents um, yeah. and that both of them had different strengths as well. Um who I might talk to about a relationship or a dynamic with my friends or might, it might be different than who I want to go talk to about. I need a new bra or I need, you know, menstruation products or, um, it, it is a little bit unique too, in that because often, and I don't want to just, you know, stereotype, but often because moms are the ones that are, um, taking care of a lot of, um, taking care of all bodies, um, sometimes it does even default to them to talk about, say, hygiene or or to body parts, yeah, or right, because right. they are they are more often in those situations during bath time or you know changing or um, those kinds yeah, of situations, body care. Yeah, body yeah. care. Um, and 
oftentimes were things that I, I'm making a concerted effort to also talk to my friends who are dads and saying to them, you know, how does it feel for you? Um, And sometimes they feel that that's not, that that's not their role, that that's not, that their, their partner does a really fantastic job of doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, She's been in that position of care while they're quite young. um, And it just kind of continues to go without a discussion between the two of saying, Mm -hmm. how could I, how could I help, you know, during bath time, could I have these conversations too? Um, Sometimes we're not even clear with our partners about how we're going to, how we're going to talk about this. Um, so there, there are some things I think to be, to be aware of in that situation. And as children get older, they do want to identify with someone that does look like them. So there is a mm-hmm. lot of value, um, to have those conversations with, um, you know, cisgender yeah. for sure. Um, yeah. but you know, my dad did a great job. He, d- he did, honestly. Um, he tried to do what he could do with the information that he had. And um, to this day, I really, as an adult, feel very grateful to have had that kind of experience and knowing that I can come to him with, um, with just a lot of questions, you know, he's, he's still there to support me in all those ways. Um, Mm. But yeah, I would really encourage um, parents that are listening to, to just touch on that, have a conversation with, with the people that are in your family, to the people who, um, who could help you with this and yeah. just kind of get clear on, on what you feel comfortable, who feels comfortable talking about what, is it something that you do together? Is it something that you're, you're going to tag team on? Um, is it something that you want to bring in someone else to talk about? But yeah, it's just really, it's an important, mm-hmm. uh, important consideration, I think. Beautiful. Okay. We're going to wrap this one up here because I already am tempted to ask you questions that are going to bleed into the next one. So I'm going to cut myself <laughs> off and we're going <laughs> to, we're going to wait for episode two. Okay. I'll see yeah. you there. Sounds okay. good. Thanks for spending time with me today. Remember to check out the show notes for related resources. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram, or you can also subscribe to my online learning page at my.thrive-life forward slash LRL series, where you'll get updates, extra tools for your toolkit. And if there's a topic that you want me to cover in this podcast, please shoot me a message. I would love to hear from you. Shoulder to shoulder with you, knee deep in this mud. I will see you back here next time.